Coming up, peace, justice, equality. This isn't some demonstration. This is the Jewish impact on civilization. Welcome, everybody, to At Home in Jerusalem, the podcast on H.com. I'm Heather Dean, and this is the place where each week a well-known Torah scholar drops by for a visit and shares important insights that will make home life better. This week, I'm speaking with Rabbi Ken Spiro, a senior lecturer and researcher for Aisha Torah's Discovery Seminars. He's also the author of World Perfect, the Jewish Impact on Civilization and Crash Course in Jewish History, and I'm on location at the home of Rabbi Spiro's family, and we are discussing the Jewish impact on civilization. Welcome to the podcast, Rabbi Spiro. Thanks for having me. So let's discuss the Jewish impact of civilization. You've done research on this and have come up with fundamental values and principles which we need to uphold in order to make our world as perfect as humanly possible. So exactly that. When I uh, started this research over 20 years ago, I was brainstorming with audiences, like what values would we like to see in as world, in as perfect a world as humanly possible. And after I think talking to about 1,500 people, <laughs> Jews of all backgrounds, with a smattering of non-Jews thrown in, mm-hmm. I came up with a list of values that I condensed down into six basic values, which was first was value of life, um, peace, mm-hmm. equal justice, mm-hmm. education. Family, which is not a value, but an institution essential for values. And then a huge category, which encompasses many smaller categories, social responsibility. Okay. Whether we're talking about dealing with you know, animal rights, crime, health issues, poverty. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. seem to be the six sort of universally accepted, certainly in Western consciousness, values we'd like to see in okay. the world. Now, the first one you mentioned was life. So we're talking the value of life? Or the game of life, probably the value of life. The value of life, okay. the, right, the, the notion that human beings have a right to life. It seems sort of like a no-brainer to us, but if you look in the ancient world, you see that for many different reasons, people were basically considered disposable. Yes, okay, sure. I mean, infanticide was universally practiced, you know, killing of babies as a means of sex selection or population control. Mm-hmm. Um, human beings were sacrificed regularly for religious reasons. Blood sport was found throughout the world, especially in places like Rome and the Colosseum. So what we take for granted as a basic right was absolutely not a basic right mm-hmm. in the ancient mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. You had also mentioned peace and harmony. So how can you not love that? But uh, in your research, it, again, it's uh, one of those things that's very fundamental. So what uh, what came up with that? Again, war in the ancient world is ubiquitous. We find it everywhere. Um, and the notion of peace as a permanent state for mankind just doesn't exist. I mean, the human race has basically been in a constant state of warfare. And of course, great empires like Rome basically lived for war. So the notion of the world living together in peace, you know, the United Nations is, again, a concept which seems to us to be, you know, how could people want war? It's so destructive. But the reality is, is war has plagued us throughout history because it's the essential aggressive nature of human beings. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the idea of a permanent state of peace doesn't exist in the ancient world. Right. Now, another topic that you discuss uh, in your research, uh, World Perfect, is the, the topic we hear so much about it today, justice and equality. Everyone's talking about income equality and many other aspects of justice. So this is age an age-old 
right, to institutions. Again, if you look in the ancient world, you find there's institutionalized inequality, that the vast majority of people throughout human history are not only disenfranchised, meaning they had no political rights, but there was a, a power elite that ruled over them and they had no recourse against them. Mm-hmm. Something like the U.S. Constitution, which, by the way, is very powerfully impacted by Judaism and the Bible, is a fundamental idea in Judaism that all people are created equal, mm-hmm. as it says in the you know in Declaration of Independence of the United States, mm-hmm. uh, is an idea that only comes out of Judaism, really, and we don't see it. We see tremendous inequality and abuse of power in the ancient world. Right. What I'm wondering what your thoughts are, because when we talk about equality, there's a lot of uh, name-calling that anytime anything seems unfair, you take uh, what's what's done with certain movements is they take um, the most evil movement saying, well, that's like Nazi Germany or that's like South African apartheid. If you know what I'm talking about, it, whenever one, one says that's not equality... You might as well be living in Nazi Germany. You know, you don't talk about that sort of thing. What do you what do you make of that? That kind that's of not, I don't think that's so much an equality issue as an issue of uh, discrimination, which I guess you could say is equality. That certain political ideologies, like Nazism, mm-hmm. obviously persecuted Jews and many other groups of people. Mm-hmm. Apartheid is in South African government was obviously disenfranchised the black majority. So the problem is it's often used twisted and used against people as a way of shutting them up and shutting them down. We see right. that very much in politics today. If you look what's happening in the United States, mm-hmm. it's a very clear example of that, mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have a right to your opinion. And by labeling people as being racist, it, it sort of justifies you're not allowing the right to speak, which is a very problematic, by the way. Right. In addition to being a violation of the First Amendment, it, it smacks of a totalitarian closed-mindedness that is actually very, very dangerous. Right, right, 100%. Well, that gets to the next topic that you were talking about, which is education, right? That everyone should receive a basic education that helps them, that guarantees that they'll have functional literacy within society. So, um, Right. Well, in the world in general, literacy is a luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, when I show people that on average, historians believe until 500 years ago, the average rate of literacy was one in a thousand. Uh, it's, it's insane. Today in, wow. the, in the Western world, literacy is almost universal. In the third world, less so. But it's one of those things we take for granted that government not only has an obligation to educate, but would want to educate its population to create a developed society. The reality is the opposite is true, that people were so basically busy just trying to survive and also that government in non-democratic countries recognizes that knowledge is power and the best way to keep things stable is to keep people stupid. So in the ancient world, literacy is a luxury found in very few places. Mm -hmm. Of course, the exception being Jews who are history's only literate nation. Not that there wasn't illiteracy in the Jewish world, but Jews always had throughout history significantly higher rates of literacy, even amongst lower class people than any other society we find in the ancient world. I hear. Okay, so also a family, strong, stable family. That's something whose definition also has uh, been changing a lot in modern times. But again, it's this ongoing fundamental institution, family. Right. Well, family, actually family structure exists everywhere throughout human history. Uh, what, I, what I focused on primarily was the impact of sexuality and modesty mm-hmm. that breaks down the family. Mm-hmm. That in the ancient world, there is no such idea, by the way. And I noticed one very interesting double standard in the ancient world was that there's big double standard between men and women. 
men are always interested in controlling women and keeping them, you know, out of sight and out of trouble, so to speak. But as a, as a man in the ancient world, pretty much it was considered equally normal to have a physical relationship with pretty much anything and everything. There was mm. no distinction. Mm. And a byproduct of that was a collapse of family, a drop in birth rates. By the way, tremendous abuse of women comes out of that when they're, when they're shunted aside. Mm -hmm. men, on, men with men, not a good combination for a lot of different reasons. So again, this whole idea of stable family and the, the sanctity of marriage is very much a byproduct of that Judeo-Christian ethics. Right. Okay. And, uh, and lastly, let's talk about social responsibility. We're actually going to do uh, an entire podcast about social responsibility, but give us a, in a nutshell, we're talking an individual, community, national level, global level about people taking responsibility for the world. Again, if you look in the ancient world, you have no such concept. The government saw it not, didn't see themselves having any obligation to take care of people in need. Um, the only, Rome would only give out bread and circus for this, you know, a little bit of food and a little bit of entertainment to keep the masses pacified. But this whole notion of governmentally sponsored social responsibility or international organizations like Doctors Without Borders, United mm -hmm, Nations mm -hmm. Peacekeeping Forces, International Monetary Fund is very much a byproduct of Western civilization in the modern world, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is very much a byproduct of the impact of Jewish thought and the Bible on the consciousness of the Western world. And you still, you see up until modern times, a huge difference between the idea of social responsibility in Western civilization versus the East, by the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A country like Japan, which had up until recently the second largest economy in the world, right. was far less involved in the idea of social responsibility, just not a cultural thing for them. So again, there's another area where Judaism had a monumentally transformative impact on, on consciousness. Amazing. Well, Rabbi Spiro, thank you so much for giving us a, a taste of the many concepts featured in your World Perfect book and seminar. And by the way, folks, this seminar is available on video. You can check it out on Rabbi Spiro's website, kenspiro.com, Ken, K-E-N, Spiro, S-P-I-R-O.com. Thanks. Pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening.